In some sense, I can't completely rule out the God-given role of male leadership, but I believe we've applied it very, very poorly. You are listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javit, a podcast that presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. Here is your host. Hello and welcome back to Our Urban Voices. I'm your host, Dr. Alphonse Javit. Today I'm joined by Peter Pandel, who has served in pastoral ministry for almost 50 years. Our topic today focuses on women and their calling and role in complementarian Christian ministry. Before we jump in, a little bit about Peter. His passion is to help people connect with God and with each other. He has given much prayer, thought, and discussion about the call and role of women in complementarian Christian ministry. Thank you for joining us today, Peter. Such an honor to have you on the show. Well, it's good to be with you, Alphonse. It's a, it's a privilege. So before we start, I always ask my guests to do this for, for our audience's sake. It's good to share a little bit about your family. I think this uh, humanizes us. It's important to allow the audience to connect with you on that level. So would you please share briefly about your family, uh, a little bit about you, your wife, children, anything that you can share? Sure. I'm counting 55 years of growing together in marriage with Ilona. And it's uh, been a, a joy and a, uh, a growing process. We have a son named Jonathan. He's our younger. He drives a big rig for Walmart. And our daughter, Amy, her husband, Drew, and our two grandkids, Austin and Chloe. Drew installs and maintains MRI machines. And Amy has given amazing leadership to First Choice Women's Resource Centers for nearly 35 years, and she makes me think a great deal about women in leadership. That's awesome. I'm glad that you made that connection because that does help people that influence us end up influencing our public theology. That's a good way to look at. As we look at Jesus's ministry, he shifted the paradigm for women. He talked about them and ministered to them, and in many ways gave them equal access to God and a voice in a society that marginalized women. Has the evangelical Christian community reflected that? Well, I have to say that parts of our community has. There's an egalitarian slice of the evangelical world that has gone above and beyond. And our complementarian evangelical world has opened the doors to women in ministry to one degree or another. For instance, our missions movement has done so in part out of necessity, but our churches back home have been slower in doing that. Let me ask you this. Why do you think they are? Well, we'll talk more about different things, but I just want to start there. I just want to hear your thoughts on that. I think in part, it's hard to change. I think many of my fellow pastors want to give more room for women to be in leadership, but uh, there's great resistance to that in a churches that have grown up with that kind of thinking. So new forms emerge and they're more open. So it's hard to change, even if you think we need to change. Yeah. So there's a wide spectrum of thought about roles for Christian men and women. And here we are looking at ranging from egalitarian to complementarianism uh, with many nuances in between. Please briefly define them and then uh, share a little more about them. Sure. 
Egalitarian holds to uh, no inherent distinction in the roles of men and women, in home or in the church. Hmm. The complementarian view is, as one person puts it, equality in value and dignity, but different roles in marriage Hmm. as part of the created order. And it's interesting, that's the only definition I found from this author, because it normally extends into the church as well, and not just in the home. Hmm. And the basic idea is that men lead, women help. How they're allowed to help varies from church to church and home to home. Hmm. Going back to the idea in value and dignity, help us understand that value and dignity. There's nothing missing in women or men in terms of being made in the image and likeness of God. Hmm. Uh, we, are, we are both equally important to God. Uh, hmm. Jesus died for uh, men and women. There, there's no difference that way. But there's a picture of men giving leadership. And therefore, they have to lead someone so women come into the leadership board as those who help. As the Genesis account talks about Eve helping, Adam needed a helper. Now, it's Hmm. the definition of that word helper that is uh, contested. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on complementarian theology and male leadership? Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I have have tremendous sympathy for the egalitarian position. And I've served as an interim pastor in a church holding to that conviction, and I have no problems whatsoever. I serve on a board of a church that has that kind of uh, outlook. I have no problem forever. But maybe just out of my background, I'm most comfortable in a complementarian setting. In some sense, I can't completely rule out the God-given role of male leadership, but I believe we've applied it very, very poorly. What do you mean by we applied that idea poorly? What do you mean by that? We have no consistent line for women in ministry. We're glad to have women serve in positions on the mission field in ways they would never be allowed to serve in many of our churches. That's a problem to me. Why would there be a difference there? Just out of necessity, it doesn't seem like it's a good enough reason. Likewise, in some of our churches, women can hardly get beyond the kitchen and nursery. In others, they can participate in and even lead mixed adult Sunday school lessons. They can lead our worship teams but they can't lead communion or pastoral prayer. They they surely can't preach in many of our churches. I've just come to conclude that godly women should be able to do just about anything as long as it's under the authority of male elders, including the lead pastor. Yeah. You see, I think that's where the struggle is, isn't it? I think it comes down to people want to take uh, extreme approaches and sometime uh, the struggle... I think is if I allow an inch, that will lead to uh, giving more space. And one day we're going to just slide right into that uh, trap that is set for us. I think that's partially why it's a difficult step that most people are afraid. And on the other side is that give us all exactly what we are asking you. Otherwise, you are the oppressor. You are the one who is not understanding us. So there is not not healthy understanding from both sides. Topics within the role of women in ministry are many and varied. Much of the confusion and tension comes about when terms mean different things to different people. That's what essentially I'm saying. If you would first define the term and biblical stance as you see it and then discuss the issue, it would help us be more on the same page. Uh, yeah, first right. ordination and pastoring. So 
sure. define some of these terms because I had those conversations with you before I have heard you speaking on this subject. Therefore, you are here as a guest. Right. I don't want to be accused that, oh, I think this is what they were saying. No, right. I want to dictate what we are saying. So right. therefore, by that definition, people can hold us accountable. Yeah. And even in that, it's fine if I disagree with you or you disagree with me. Sure. So why don't sure. we start with ordination and pastoring, those two terms? Yeah, and part of the problem with this whole thing about the terms is that our, our terms and titles have taken on definitions that are not necessarily rooted in the first century. Yeah. They've grown up over the years. Yeah. Uh, for instance, I've known of women who could not serve as military or hospital chaplains because they were not ordained by a church or a denomination. Mm. They were kept from leadership positions in the world beyond our churches because they liked a title. Mm -hmm. So part of the problem also is that from our venture church network, Baptist background, we have a structure of an association of churches. And, and the path is really hard to discern because we don't have someone saying, well, this is what it is for all our churches. It's right. different for every church. I'd, I'd say, let's grant the title, but ordain for position and function. Uh, we could ordain for lead pastor or associate pastor or youth pastor. If she pastors people, though, honor her with the title pastor. We're not giving her more authority than she should have. So to me, the titles can be flexed that way. Yeah, that's one of the top struggles, right? Yes. The title reflects the position. Right. But again, I want to hear you. I, I don't want to express my view. I just want to hear from your experience, what you have learned. 50 years in ministry is a tremendous amount of years. I'm sure you have gone through many waves of pushes <laughs> back and forth from various different directions. So I want to hear sure. from you. So let's also there define the idea of leadership too. Yeah, and whether whether they can ex exercise leadership. Well, yes, under the elders, leadership is fine because we need the skills and we need the perspective of godly women. You know, Alphonse, I can remember sitting with a group of men, wonderful, godly men in a room with no women there making decisions that would normally impact the majority of our, <laughs> of our congregations who were women. And here we are making the decisions without having the voice of a woman even sitting in the room. I just, I just came to a point where I thought, this doesn't make sense. And so we got women into the room as much as we could. But even then, it was limited. Hmm. And in fact, that's not the way we operate at home. You know, we have a complimentary, complementarian kind of setting here in our home. But I don't go off and make decisions without Ilona's input. And in yeah. fact, sometimes she has an expertise that I want to follow what she says. So yeah. I, I don't know how we can have a double standard, have it that way at home, but have it different in the church. And I'd like to bring those two together. All right. So how about teaching aspect? Sure. As far as I'm concerned, both men and women need to hear from godly women, just like they need to hear from godly men. And again, they're not, they're not devising new doctrine or new teachings. That's the role of the authority of the elders. But they're helping us apply it. They're helping us see where this fits, what it means to them, what it should mean to us. So yeah, teaching is fine. And now you just said authority. So let's let's define that too. Authority and headship. Yeah. And in fact, it's it's under the elders and, and it's a derived authority. 
which if you think about it, in my mind, is the same as men have under the elders. We have derived authority too under the elders. Mm. So let's have women have the same derived authority. I'm holding you back because I'm learning. <laughs> I'm glad that we're talking because yeah. I need to listen to this uh, podcast once it's up and running. And then I may bring you back with some follow-up questions. But, sure, um, I'd love to do that. But let's talk about our titles, just yeah. semantics, or do they matter as long as the work gets done? Yeah, I think they do. If we want to be orderly in, in the way we approach the ministry, we, we need titles. But I, I think what we need to do is make sure they're as minimally restrictive as possible in terms of application. And that comes especially with women. Mm. So I read a book a long time ago, and I can't remember the name of it. It was about opening the door as widely as we can, given our theological convictions. So where I think we've gone wrong is the application more than the theological conviction. And that's what I'd like to see change. All right, so I know that you have served, and I think you're still serving with the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Uh, you can explain a little bit more on that to what is your role and what role you had with them before. But the question I had is the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church has voted to ordain women and right. use the title pastor but not elder, right? which precludes having a lead pastor who is a woman. In right. contrast, the Southern Baptist Convention amended their constitution to explicitly state that cooperating churches must restrict any kind of pastor to qualified men and rewording its faith statement to say that pastors, overseers, elders are male. Do you believe that women should be ordained and be called pastor in certain capacities or not at all? And then also with that, I will say why. Yeah, I believe that we need to open that door. And I'm full, fully agreeing with the CNMA policy, which, by the way, was just passed and I think has to be endorsed in two years or something like that. But it was passed by the majority of the delegates after the board proposed it. Mm -hmm. What they did was they at one time before this, before this change came into effect, they had a had a dual process one for women to be consecrated, the same process for men to be ordained. And everybody was looking at it and saying, wait a minute, this is the same process. But one gets the title reverend and one can serve as pastor and the other one can't. And it immediately brought frustration and questions. Why this difference? And what has happened now is that depending on the local church's decision, women will be ordained by the CNMA and they can be called pastor if the local church wants them to be. And in my mind, that seems to solve it because, of course, with the CNMA, you've got a denomination. So you have some consistency across the churches within the, the freedom that they're granted. In my mind, the Southern Baptist position leads to two losses. One is we lose the benefit of women in ministry, bringing the richness of their gifts and experiences and personalities to the church, and therefore the, the mission suffers. And secondly, Women are unfairly kept from the joy of serving the Lord in the ways he has uniquely gifted them. And as a result, women suffer. So to me, tying it down so tightly hurts the mission and hurts the women in our church. Wow. And you gave me so much to think about and uh, pray over. Let me take you back. When you started the response, you used two term consecrated versus ordained. For our audience, would you mind just elaborating on that briefly? What was the difference? They follow the same process to get to the end result. But women would be consecrated and the men would be ordained. 
those are separate services and the women would be consecrated and they'd be set aside in that way, but they would not be given the title reverend or pastor and would not be ordained as the men were. Yeah. What changed now is women can be will be given the title reverend if they want to use it by the denomination. And the idea of consecration is almost passed away, although I guess the title is still used sometimes. So they are in every way equal with the men, except that they cannot be elders or lead pastor. Yeah. So that's the place. This is funny. A long time ago, a fellow named Russ Rosser, a great friend who was at First Baptist in Flushing, CB leader, he was proposing this idea and I couldn't see it. <laughs> so so I've just changed over the years as I've seen the reality of what's going on and what we're losing in the process. I think in the mission field, it's still valid. And I agree with you on that one. Women in missions have been in leadership and pastoring roles because they're may not have been a qualified man in the field at that time. So yes, on that end, I've seen that, I've heard about that, and I've read about that. I've seen the seen the fruit of that ministry. Uh, what have these women done in the field and their impact for the God's kingdom is evident there too. Um, sure. But I, I struggle, I think it's a cultural thing. American culture is different. But let me ask you the question. What have these women done in the field and their impact of God's kingdom, in your view? What do you see? What evidence you have seen? Let me bring that yeah. question to you rather than I explain what I think. Let me go back to just one thing you just said. And I know I, I lived this way for a long time, too. God doesn't have the right people, so he puts in substitutes. That just sounds wrong to me. Yeah. <laughs> There's something wrong with that idea. Well, I don't have a man, so I'm going to let a woman do it. There's something deficient in that thinking in my mind. So when I first started to travel overseas, and I've done a fair amount of it with World Venture, I was blown away by what the women were accomplishing there. For instance, one of my heroes is Marge Shelley. Most of your listeners wouldn't know her, but when I first went to Cote d'Ivoire, she was there, greeted me. She was a major force on the field. Had started a school for communications for national leaders. She spoke in their churches. She did all kinds of things that she wouldn't be allowed to do back here in the States. And I look at that and I say, oh, what have we lost that we can't have a Marge Shelley doing that in the States? What has the church lost that they can't have someone like our daughter, Amy? And that's a subjective, I know. But what have we lost? They're not able to lead and give us their insights and be at the table for the discussions. And I think we've lost an awful lot. But that's true over the mission fields. Women have led the way in so many of the cases, and they've been effective. And we reap the fruit from that, but we don't acknowledge it most of the time. That raises a good question. How do we equip women to lead and at the same time adhere to the biblical leadership? It's a twofold question, by the way. Yeah. So one yeah. would be how to do that to the ladies, but also men too. The same question yeah. should be asked for men because they need that training and equipping too. So yeah. we can get to that point where we can understand what you're trying to say or what sure. you're trying to at least encourage us to consider. Sure, sure. This is going to be hard for our Baptist churches because we don't have a denominational rule that keeps us on the same page. That's an advantage of the CNMA. So that's a problem. But I think what we're going to have to do is start talking men and women together, honest exchange, listening well being as flexible as possible, seeking to reach agreement on what the Bible teaches about this subject. Uh, the other day when I went to the council meeting for the CNMA, every year they have a, an annual meeting for this district, and 
one of the women who was ordained there uh, talked to me, and I'd never thought about it from her angle before. She was not, she served on a staff when I was interim there in Queens. Wonderful woman. And I began to call her pastor. I didn't know at the time I wasn't supposed to, but I did anyway. And I gave her a chance to preach. And she told me how affirmed she sensed uh, she was when, when I got her to do the things that she was frightened to do and nervous to do. But she has flourished and grown in ways that I just think that's the potential that we have out there. And we're going to have to figure out how to draw the boundaries and agree on them, women and men. And then under those boundaries, form the training that we need, just like we would with men. If we're going to teach men to preach and we think women can preach, especially in selective times, well, let's let's teach them how to preach. Or let's make them the assistant in a group that we're leading so they can be trained. They can be an apprentice, just like we would with men. And slow but sure, begin to get there. The church you're talking about, it's part of Venture Network or is Christian Alliance Church? Uh, CNMA. Yeah, Christian Alliance okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. What's a few practical things that a church can do to start talking about and doing to value, equip, and train women for kingdom work? What are a few practical things that a church can do to start talking about and doing uh, to value and equip and train women for kingdom work? You know, I think one of the places where we could start, you and I could start, is we could start quoting women authors instead of just men. We could interview women in our sermons. Mother's Day, we could have a woman preach for a specific occasion. We can share upfront leadership in the service with them. So it depends on where the church is and how, how much the church can flex, but find places to open the doors of opportunity as widely as possible and work together with our elders, first of all, to make sure that we're, we're on the same page and they too see this need to open the doors as widely as possible. And then we can figure out where to do that. Yeah. But that that's the key to me. So it seems like uh, more work to be done on our end, <laughs> yeah. elders and men, yeah. than, uh, than anything else. Thank yeah. you, Peter. Anything else you like to add to this conversation? No, you know, I just repeat it. Let's open the door of opportunity as widely as possible. And I believe God will be glorified as the kingdom expands through all the parts of his body. If listeners wants to get in touch with you, what are the easiest ways? Uh, probably my Gmail address. It's plpendel at gmail.com. That's great. We will make sure that's in the episode description. And if you are listening to this uh, podcast, that's where you're going to find just in case you were not able to write it down. And for the last thing, this is my favorite part of the interview. <laughs> um, usually topics are very tough. We interview people who are right currently in this uh, uh, closed location in uh, terrible situations. We talk about all sorts of heavy topics. I like to ask you to tell a joke. And I think the topic we have discussed is pretty heavy too. So <laughs> tell us a joke to lighten the mood. Okay, here's one. One day, three men were trekking through a jungle when they came across a violent, raging river. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had no idea how to cross. So the first man decided to pray. And he prayed, please, God, give me the strength to cross this river. And immediately he grew enormous muscles in his arms and legs. And he managed to swim across the river in a couple of hours, nearly drowning twice. Well, the second man saw this and he prayed, 
please God give me the strength and the tools to cross this river. And a boat appeared from nowhere and he battled across the river in an hour, nearly capsizing twice. The third man saw this and prayed, please God give me the strength and the tools and the intelligence to cross this river. And immediately he was turned into a woman. She looked at the map, walked upstream 100 yards, and crossed over the bridge to the other side. <laughs> so appropriate for this talk. Man, you're smart. That's amazing how you, that's so perfect. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the show again. That was uh, Peter Tandel talking about women and their calling and role in complementarian Christian ministry. And thank you to all our listeners. We truly could not do this without you. If you learned something, have a topic suggestion, or would like to leave us feedback, drop us a note at oururbanvoices.com. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave an honest review wherever you listen to your podcast. Tune in in two weeks for more honest discussions from Diverse Voices. You've been listening to Our Urban Voices with Dr. Alphonse Javed, which presents Christian narratives through diverse voices that impact urban ministry. 